Hey everybody, I'm Brian Grossman, Editor-in-Chief here at the Colorado Springs Independent. This is the Indy 15, the weekly show that recaps everything you need to know in the news. Our guest in studio today is Indy reporter Pam Zubek, uh, who dropped by to talk about the very busy news cycle that's been going on lately. Hey Pam, welcome to the Indy 15. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, uh, lots of news going on, and uh, I feel like you've single-handedly done half of it. Uh I wanted to get started by talking about your cover story just a few weeks ago. This was uh, about AMR, and the headline was on life support. And this is about how AMR is having some issues uh, meeting their contractual obligations when it comes to picking up sick and injured people. So what's going on there? Well, last um, winter, we did a story about how they'd been doing since their contract began in April of 2020 especially through the COVID pandemic, and uh, discovered that they had been levied some pretty hefty fines uh, because of lateness, tardiness, Mm -hmm. uh, to calls that was um, below their expected standard under their contract. So I thought, hmm, I wonder how they've been doing. It's now six months later. Let's see. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, the fines had been even higher. Um, So the problems that um, are causing these tardy responses have not gone away, and that's strictly a lack of personnel. And AMR has come up with a lot of different proposals to address this, some of which they have already implemented, including um, pay adjustments, bonuses for signing on, uh, and different things like that. Other things that they want to do that the city has yet to approve and don't know if they'll ever approve them, um, include, for example, what they call a nurse navigator, which would be a nurse on the end of the 911 call that would do an assessment um, over the phone to make a determination whether or not they really need advanced life support mm-hmm. and whatnot. But that is not into practice. It's been in practice in other places that AMR has worked uh, with some success, but so far the city says no. So... Now, the city has given them a deadline of the end of the year Mm -hmm. to shape up or the city could end their contract. I personally think that's very unlikely um, because it would just be too much, too difficult to bring in another provider because, and and also keep in mind, this is not unique to Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. These kinds of issues are seen across the country with all ambulance services, or many of them, so they might just be trading one bunch of problems right, for another for bunch another, of problems. With a different name, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I don't think the city is in a position right now to take it over itself. Yeah. How, how bad was the situation with, or is the situation with AMR? I know they have different priorities based on the need, but they've been as much as half hour, 45 minutes late to some of these, right? Yeah, and they are penalized so much per minute. $50 a minute. Yeah, that they're late. And so some of these, you know, that are quite late um, add up to some pretty hefty fines. And I'm I'm not remembering the exact figures here, but, you know, it's it's running into the millions of dollars. Um, So everyone agrees that something needs to happen. Now, they do have some new hires, and they also have some uh, EMTs and paramedics in the pipeline. So 
those will be coming on board um, as we approach the end of the year. So one could expect that whole scenario to change. So, And one thing to point out, AMR has said that the lateness never led to any uh, serious outcomes for for the patients. Is that right? Right. That's what they say. We've asked them point blank uh, if the tardiness of the response in any way played into a bad outcome. Right. And they say no. Um, But also bear in mind that part of this model that we are operating under in this city has the fire department responding to medicals also. Mm -hmm. So it's not like people are waiting for no one to be there within, uh, you know, 30 minutes or something. There's firefighters, paramedics, they show up. They, I would assume, um, go a long distance to stabilizing someone or whatever. So that once the transport gets there, you know, then they take it from there. But yeah. anyway, so, so far, so good, you might say, right? Yeah. Well, could be worse, but it could be better too. Right. right. Yeah. So that's on life support. That was the cover story from uh, earlier this month. Let's talk about this blog that you did last week on Colorado Springs Safe Neighborhood Coalition. This is the uh, anti-pot group who did not disclose their, their spending. Is that right? Um, that's what the documentation would suggest. Mm-hmm. However, the people who are behind uh, that committee mm-hmm. um, insist that they have spent no money, collected no money, and spent no money as of the closing date of that reporting period, which I think was September 26th, I believe. Um, however, Facebook analytics show that these ads were posted and running mm-hmm. on September 20th. So Facebook doesn't operate on credit. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay to play uh, on that site. So I don't know. You know, they the committee insists to us, two different individuals mm-hmm. um, asserted that, no, they have not collected money and no, they have not spent any money. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, and I one thing that I wish I knew that I don't know is whether or not the city clerk's office is going to investigate. Yeah. Um, because everything that we see uh, would suggest there's certainly a contradiction here. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. And in fact, I'm looking at your your blog right now, and we even have a screenshot from Facebook's political ad report. Uh, specifically for them that says that they had spent between five and six thousand dollars is that right yeah during over a period of time so if you look at the first amount of spending uh, dates back to May I believe and then you look at the other amount of spending for a different time frame then that would indicate that in the reporting period for this measure mm-hmm. they would have spent two thousand seventy five dollars so <clears throat> I don't know I don't know how to explain it yeah um, but it seems like it bears looking into, and of course, the next reporting period, which is the 28th um, of October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right before the election. Just a couple of weeks away. We'll, we'll see. And I, I think that the filing date on that isn't until November 4th. So four days before the election, we'll find out where the money came from. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of speculation out there, by the way, as where this money came from. Um, yeah. 
So where do you think it came from, Brian? I don't know, Pam, but I am, but I do wonder why somebody would not be forthright about it. Well, that seems odder to me know, than where it came from. Since, since we're clearly marking this speculation. Yeah, let's say um, speculation th- reader or there, listeners. Yeah. There would be some that would su- suppose uh-huh. that some money anyway will be coming from competitors in Manatee Springs. Oh, yeah. Uh, from the recreational arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows, right? I mean, they certainly would have an interest yeah. in the measures passing or failing. Um, but on the other hand, there might be some other, you know, local business people that support city council's position, which is anti-rec marijuana, sure. uh, and the mayor's position as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting on November 4th to see how much they've raised mm-hmm. and where it came from. It, I expect it to be quite substantial, um, and but again— Many people will have voted by then. Is, so. it, is it going to work, Pam? Is, is rec marijuana going to be legal in just a couple months here? I just had a, a reader mm-hmm. who, by the way, readers are a very good source of information. Yeah. Um, a reader um, communicated with me saying that there's no way that it's not going to pass. Okay. But it's another, confident. <laughs> but, an, but another reader says... It's doomed. It'll never pass. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so. And so, you know, who knows exactly? I mean, the, the ads that we've seen mm-hmm. um, that were on Facebook sh- uh, are tying the recreational marijuana to a growth in homelessness. I don't know whether there's data that supports that, mm. but the images, of course, mm-hmm. can be persuasive. Sure. Correct? So. And just interesting to note uh, – Recreational passed ten. It'll be ten years ago in November, so it was 2012, and Amendment 64 in El Paso County actually passed. It was by uh, fewer votes than I have fingers and toes, I think. But uh, so yeah, it was it was a close one, but it did pass here in the county, both in the county and in the city. Did it pass in the city too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that might be a, a barometer for this one. We'll see what happens. We will see. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing, scandal sheet. Uh, oh the CSPD thing. What? Explain that. Well, I don't know if I can explain it, but um, it made the rounds. Yeah. Uh, among this was an anonymous, uh, anonymous website. It's an anonymous right. website that talks about the bigotry and whatever, uh, you know, bad behavior. Shenanigans at the police department. At the department. CSPD, uh, Colorado Springs Police Department, and the DA's office. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is not new. It's been reported, actually, even though the website – didn't acknowledge that some of it had been reported previously. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it runs the gamut from personal relationships that would be deemed inappropriate um, among employees mm-hmm. to um, to uh, V&I, which is <clears throat> Vice Intelligence Narcotics Unit, right. um, officers working – on the side for the sheriff in Teller County who has mm-hmm. a private b- investigative business in which they ran surveillance on people, recorded people, things like that. Now, this is a this is an investigation that we spent quite some time on and reported in detail about, so this is not new to the indie readers anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, side hustle. I had to look it up, but side hustle was the, the headline of the story on that. Yeah, yeah. and um, and then the – some of the officers were disciplined, but the what I call the scandal sheet author um, 
took issue with it being lenient types of discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, The ringleader uh, only was suspended for 60 hours, I think. So a week and a half pay is what he forfeited for all that. Mm. Um, So, you know, that's one thing. Um, Another item that was included was another indie story, actually, that we wrote in 2020 about, uh, at that time, Commander Raphael Cintron, Mm. who crashed his vehicle in the night Mm -hmm. uh, in a residential area. Uh, A neighbor came out to see what was going on, reported to us when we were looking into it, Mm that he smelled of alcohol and Italian food. so <laughs> um, And was be- uh, sort of belligerent with the neighbor, too, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, and, uh, and then downed a bunch of water, gallons of water. Yeah, when he came inside. And then was kindly given a lift home by a superior officer, and right. that was it. He was sided with careless driving but retired. Was he on duty when he had the accident? He was, was on call. He was on call. That's so right. had there been a major incident, he would have been on duty. He would have been the one that would right. have been calling the shots right. on who. Do so he was essentially working at the time. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, um, we actually reported that in great detail. And mm-hmm. I also want to note that that story won a first place prize in a news writing contest where the judges had one statement comment about the story we love this story yeah they said <laughs> it was the italian food part <laughs> i think it must have been yeah okay uh and so that sort of brings us up to the paper that's out now i just want to do a quick tease of this we've got bill foreman who's the music editor uh did the cover on this it's about aretha franklin and the 40 years that the fbi was investigating her uh along with the monkeys and uh a few other suspects that you wouldn't expect you know the fbi to be interested in so i suggest you check that out and i want to make a comment about that you know our cover story came out yesterday yeah and only yesterday did the new york times report oh really on the aretha franklin uh, papers being yeah so you know we were on top of that one yeah and pam also has uh this is our ballot roundup issue so um right before ballots are going to be mailed out we've got some information for those who are interested in following the the ballots. Uh, but I do want to talk about the story that's coming out next week. Um, this is next week's paper about Amara. We'll, we'll sort of wrap up with that. So this is a annexation, I guess dispute would be an okay word for it, right? Um, or at least there are questions around this potential annexation. Can you kind of explain what, what's going on there? Yeah, this has sort of been in the works for a little while, but it's now starting through the official process. Mm-hmm. And so on Monday... The La Plata Communities uh, president, uh, Doug Quimby, made the presentation of what they want to do, which is to bring in 3,200 acres of property that sits it, – it's surrounded on three sides by the city of Fountain. Right. Um, the, any services would have to cross over El Paso County property – uh, I mean, land that sits in the county mm-hmm. and in Fountain in order to reach this place. Now, the the whole key here, the whole reason uh, behind the annexation request is uh, Fountain doesn't have water mm. to serve this development. And Springs Utilities does have water to serve it. So they're knocking on our door um, to get access to the water. So one thing that somebody might keep in mind here is that 
Mr. Quimby argued that this development would go a long way to helping us solve our housing shortage, and he made the comment that there's simply no more land in the city to develop. However, in 2018, the city made a radical change in the annexation agreement for the Banning Lewis Ranch, mm -hmm. which is 20,000 acres on the east side of the city. Problem is, it's locked up. It's sitting there. It's not being developed because it's all under the ownership of one owner, mm -hmm. which is Norwood. And so they can decide when that property is developed. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm actually working on a follow-up to the story that actually comes out next week mm -hmm. relative to some of the questions that might prove to be pertinent, and I won't say any more than that. Yeah. <laughs> no spoiler alerts here. Right? Mm -hmm. You'll have to pick up the paper. So, Well, like I said, you've been busy. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate mm -hmm. there's a lot going on, and uh, sometimes we feel like we, we're not even scratching the surface. So uh, I want to thank Pam Zubek for joining us here in the studio. Don't forget to pick up this week's indie. Is that upside, uh, that's upside down. Let's do that right. This week's indie uh, with the Aretha Franklin story, our ballot uh, initiative wrap-up and more. So it's available on newsstands and digitally through our website at csindy.com. Let us know what you thought about the show or the paper on our social media everywhere. We read every single thing you post, so post away. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to click the bell so you're notified whenever we post new videos. Uh, this show is produced by Dave Gardner and Nick Raven. Videocast was directed by Nick Raven, distributed by our digital team, which is made up of Sean Cassidy and Michaela Jones. Dustin Glatz is our art director. Amy Gillentine's our publisher. I'm Brian Grossman, editor-in-chief. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of the Indie 15.